So continuing in the series that we're talking about, uh, weathering, weathering a storm, we're, we're really looking at lessons that we can learn that are actually established. I mean, since almost time immemorial, we've had people adopting the principles that we're talking about. And these same principles are also um, spoken of in, in the Vedas. And w- what I'd like to sort of just propose is that th- the things that we're discussing and learning about should not be things that um, uh, we consider applicable perhaps during this time, but things that will actually help us in our life um, going forward. One of the far out things that we'd see amongst uh, the great um, yogis is that they would invariably, the great, great historical spiritual personalities in the, in the Vedas, they invariably saw um, great challenges in their life, difficulty, even painful things. They dealt with them as opportunities. It's not like there's a some sort of mental or analytical process where they think about it, oh, I should look at it like this and do it. It it arose from their really profound spiritual, um, the foundation of their life, which was, which was spiritual in nature, and taking these great um, teachings that were found in the Vedas. And so it was almost, it was a spontaneous thing that people saw adversity and difficulty in life and they approached it, and if we look at it analytically, as being like an opportunity. And so I think that this is one of the the main things that I wanted to sort of like focus on tonight. And I'm sort of titling this bit of a talk that um, burying your head in the sand is not a strategy. I think most people are familiar with the term, the idea of, of you know, blocking your ears, nah, 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 I can't hear, I can't hear you kind of thing. And, you know, wishful thinking, trying to just wish things away. There is a real need for us in life in general, and but more particularly in relation to spiritual life, to actually have... Um, this real feet on the ground, real practical um, and realistic way of looking at things and then relying on these fantastic teachings um, that are that are pervaded all different, you know, civilizations and societies, they're not sort of unique to one place. They are universal principles that actually have a spiritual foundation. And what they do is is help us really look at things in a real practical way. And instead of losing the plot, you know, allowing our emotions and our minds to spin out and head off into all kinds of directions and 
put us into tremendous anxiety and everything. It's, you know, you actually seize things and you look at them in a real practical way and chart a course forward. So I was reading, um, I have it here on my, my iPad, a, uh, an article from the Guardian, UK newspaper, and it says Stoicism in a time of pandemic, how Marcus Aurelius can help. So I don't know if you're familiar with the name. If you saw the movie Gladiator, you probably would be. He, he was an extremely famous um, uh, Roman emperor. And he um, lived through a pretty incredible, he had a pretty amazing life. Um, and then in, in the later part of his life, before his death, he saw the known world, as they referred to it, um, they were attacked by this horrible um, pl plague. Uh, they suspect it was a, a variety of, of smallpox virus that pretty much decimated Europe. And it kept reoccurring and it went on for about, it came and went in waves for about 14 years. And there were much historical writings by Roman generals of all their legions being absolutely decimated of whole um, towns and villages just being vacated after massive amounts of death. And the, the empire, in, in many respects, falling into almost ruin. So, um, in the, I'll just read a little part from this. In the middle of the plague, Marcus wrote a book known as The Meditations, which records the moral and psychological advice he gave to himself at this time. He frequently applies Stoic philosophy to the challenges of coping with pain, illness, anxiety, and loss. It is no stretch of the imagination to view the meditations as a manual for developing precisely the mental resilience skills required to cope with a pandemic. So first of all, because Stoics believe that our true good resides in our own character and actions, they would frequently remind themselves to distinguish between what's up to us and what isn't. Um, so the, this, uh, you know, has been developed into into a whole um, principle within within psychology, and and it has a lot to do with the things that we were have been focusing on. I will just make the point, though, that um, for for Marcos Aurelius, you know, he was he was digging deep and drawing from the Greek philosophers and the, and the philosophers of his time, trying to look at life in a very practical and and realistic way. One of the the downsides to that level of realism. Some people may say that you can become fatalistic. I mean, just considering the reality of death. 
I mean, if you really know that this life and everybody's life and this particular body and everything is going to come to an end, and that's for sure, and the only thing that you can actually really depend upon has been you know, completely true, then it's sort of like, in many ways, it's sort of like, well, what are the opportunities for me? What are the possibilities? I mean, if it all just ends there, why why even try? So, you know, it can be a little bit fatalistic. I think one of the extraordinary things that the whole Vedic or yogic teachings brought to the, 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 the party, as it were, was this real serious focus on this underlying reality that I am an eternal spiritual being. And so when you, when that becomes the underpinning or the foundation for what it is that you're going through and, and looking at your life and considering how to spend your time and what you should be doing and, and things like that, how you should deal with situations, what it does is, in a lot of ways, it it frees you. It frees you from the the anxiety and stress that can come from thinking that you are the body, and therefore everything just comes to an end at the time of of death. And what it does is, it, it sort of like creates two clear compartments. One is, in relation to my spiritual life, what is it that I need to do? How, how is it I should be living day to day? What are the things that I'm going to, to need to do to find deeper meaning, purpose, fulfillment? And, and the whole process of, of self-realization, which just brings tremendous happiness and fulfillment and is so absolutely wonderful. So you, you've got that sort of like category of things to take care of. And then you've got, okay, but I am an embodied being. I am living within this world. I have a family, perhaps. I have responsibilities. I have some duties to perform. And I will encounter so many things during this life in this world. So how, how do I deal with that? How do I look at that? What, what should be my framework? And so many of these philosophical principles that were adopted through many different types of um, civilizations and different period, historical periods, they do have this spiritual underpinning. But when you take away that spiritual understanding that I am an eternal spiritual being, then you're left with something that is can be rather um, hollow and, and at the end seem quite purposeless. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of people in, in old age homes, people that are approaching their end of their life. I mean, when the only thing that you've got to look forward to is, is your inevitable death, it's kind of like, you know, so it's sort of like you look at the the photo albums or you whip out the iPad and look at all the photos and you try to remember things and reach out to some of the old friends and talk about the old days. And that's just kind of like, um, this is not the right way to spend this time. 
we do have a greater purpose. We do have a greater meaning, you know, to life. And that's this whole journey of, of spiritual discovery. But in relation to these other parts of my life, the guidelines that I need to adopt in order to be able to live properly and responsibly are, are, you know, also going to be there. And that's sort of what we've been discussing. So these two things need to be going hand in hand. If we don't do that, our life is out of balance. If we just focus on a so-called material well-being and how to fend off all the the bad stuff and try to invite the good stuff, what I consider good stuff into my life. If, if that's just, you know, going to be the whole, the whole focus, my life is out of balance and it doesn't end well. There is a need to look at things in a far more mm, realistic way and to seek actually a higher purpose something that we all need, that is common to to all life. So looking back at the, the things that we've, we've spoken about, um, we started with the lesson of, you know, this too shall pass, this ability that we need to be able to embrace um, both the good times and the bad times with a clear understanding, hey, it's going to pass. This is not going to last. Nothing lasts in relation to, to this world. And taking that one on board, it, it brings, um, stability. It, it means, okay, just calm down in the bad times that this, this will pass. Then we looked at the, the serenity prayer, which is fundamentally the, you know, the, the basis for stoicism or the stoic philosophy, as it's called, um, that I just read. And, and Marcus Aurelius was meant to be a great example of a stoic philosopher. You know, this, this ability to, to look at things and to ask that, is it up to me? To do something about this, can I? Do I have the 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 capacity? Not only do I have the capacity, but it, am I looking at something that is actually out of my control, or is it something that I can make some changes to? And of course, the Serenity Prayer deals with that, and you know, the prayer for the knowledge to to the wisdom to know the difference between them. Then we discuss the lesson of actually taking back control of your life. And when I say that, <clears throat> most people don't appreciate how much um, external controls and conditioning, mental conditioning, plays in our life. How much emotions drive our actions, our speech and things. And this, you know, this great need to be able to step back from things. Don't get caught up in, in the high emotions and all the drama. Don't get caught up. Don't get swept away. Don't be pulled along by that. 
step back from things and actually think things through very clearly. What is it that I want to achieve here? What do I see as being a desirable outcome? And of course, if I have a spiritual foundation in my life, then the type of outcome that I can see in this situation that's desirable is, is so clear to me. And then I start thinking, okay, so how should I speak to this person or in this situation? How should I act? in order to try and achieve that outcome that I think is important and desirable. And to act in a less emotional way, just driven by the mind. You know, this is a big part of the whole yoga philosophy and practice, this appreciation of how I'm quite distinct from my mind. And then thinking in terms of, in the next lesson, we talked about my choices, my life, how, how much my life is actually shaped by the choices that I'm making. And of course, you know, that plays into what we, we the, the lesson I just spoke about, you know, when we become mentally conditioned in, in many situations to accept things that we shouldn't be accepting, to go along with things that we shouldn't be going along with. And learning how to make really good choices in life that deliver the type of, of outcomes that we seek. And then the, the next lesson that we spoke about was dealing with anxiety and how a lot of the anxiety comes from our unwillingness to accept the reality of things, that there are many things that are going to come into my life I cannot change. And to be wise enough to understand that all these things I cling on to and I wish could go on forever, I have to embrace the reality that they won't. And that means I can appreciate them while they are here, but I am not devastated or, or, you know, become so fragile emotionally and mentally when, when things are, are removed from me. And then the final one, which we spoke of last week, the idea of building sandcastles on the shore. That means, you know, just fantasizing, trying to build a fantasy life, trying to find permanence in that which is impermanent. This is not smart. This is not good for us. It will never work out really well. That if we want to find a perfectly stable foundation upon which to build my life that must be spiritual in nature because it is only that which is truly spiritual that is permanent and non-changing. Whereas the nature of the material world and relationships and everything is that they are impermanent, subject to change and will come, will come to an end. So we shouldn't set out to to build sandcastles on the shore. It's just not not wise. And so in in today, you know, where we started and where I'd like to come back to is this focus that we need to have where we are prepared to take things on. Things that come into my life either because of my choices or uninvited as it were, 
when I find myself in these situations, then I, I have to not try to run away from it and avoid it. Don't bury your head in the sand. Look at it with open eyes. See it for what it is. And with this foundation of spiritual knowledge that you are standing or sitting upon, make very clear decisions about how you can deal with things. That which is beyond your ability to control, embrace that reality. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do anything about this, or I'm not going to be able to do very much about it. The very wonderful thing to please keep in mind always, you are only asked to do your best. And that can mean many things. For instance, at one point in a person's life, because of bad choices they made, bad relationships, bad situations, whatever, they may be very fragile, they may be going through a lot of trauma or difficulty, and they just have a really hard time making the very best of all of all the options laid out for them to choose the best. But in that condition, Simply do the best that you can with what you've got and whatever state you're in and the condition that you're in. And over time, as you grow as a person, as you grow spiritually and become stronger, your best will begin to change also. So this is very subjective. It's not objective. It's very subjective at any one point in your life, wherever you find yourself, to simply do the best that you can do. And that condition and situation is all that is asked. Leaving the outcome to that higher power, to God, to a higher spiritual reality, to just the way material nature operates and functions. There are, there are so many things out there. And to become rested in this understanding that I've done the best that I can do in the circumstances. And I turn inwards to this cultivation of my, my spiritual life and to seek deeper meaning, deeper purpose, to become more connected to this higher spirituality, this spiritual reality of my own spiritual being and of the um, supreme soul who resides also within my heart of hearts. So, Going forward, I think what we'd like to do is is just maybe look at at some of the things that people have sort of like come across in this pandemic experience. You know, we're going through a period now in New Zealand here where they're looking at loosening the so-called lockdown, although it's not very loose at all. I went to the hardware store to pick up something to fix my shower and my God, <laughs> it took me about you know, 45 minutes standing in line, even though I had done a click and collect. So I think we're still going to be faced with difficulties. I think we are going to see resurgences until until vaccines are developed. But there are many actually really wonderful things that 
people are finding out about themselves and reconnecting with. And I'd like to just, you know, go over some of those things in the, in the next few um, talks that we have and just to help us sort of, you know, if we can come out of this period and have made a decision to live a new kind of life, a different kind of life, then this would be highly beneficial, highly beneficial. So we'll talk more about that in, in the coming discussions. Um, thank you very much for the opportunity to be able to, to speak with you. Um, it's always highly beneficial for me to also reflect on these things, these realities and truths and consider them in relation to my, my personal life. So um, we will conclude, as we always do, with, with Kirtan. I invite you to join with me in, in um, singing the, the mantra that we will, will chant is um, Om Hari Om. Thank you very much.